hopefully, because we learn to be ourselves freely with God, we can become more freely ourselves with others. Welcome to Psalms for the Spirit, a podcast about spirituality and resilience through the lens of the biblical Psalms. I'm Kieran Young-Wimberly, a Presbyterian minister and spiritual director from the U.S. but living on the north coast of Ireland. I've been working closely with the Psalms for about a decade now, arranging, recording, performing Psalms set to Celtic melodies, along with my dear friends, the McGrath family from Dungannon, County Tyrone. And through the years, I've heard how the Psalms help people through times of trouble, through times when the mountains seem to be falling into the sea, times when the world is in upheaval, either on a personal level or on a collective level. In this podcast, I'm inviting friends and respected teachers to explore with me how the Psalms lift our spirits in difficult times, how they lead us toward healing and hope, and about the connection between spirituality and resilience. Today's guest is Brother Thierry, a French Benedictine monk who has lived in Northern Ireland for the past 22 years. Ages ago, when I visited Holy Cross Monastery, where he's based, I remember Brother Thierry coming to welcome our group. And I was impressed by his gracious hospitality and the inviting and accessible way he spoke to our group about Benedictine spiritual practice, especially the role of silence. Then, earlier this year, Brother Thierry and I were a part of a panel on Contemplative Prayer for the Four Corners Festival in Belfast, and once again I was struck by the wisdom he has to offer about prayer and silence. So I was delighted when he said he would talk with me on this podcast about the Benedictine rhythm of prayer, which includes a swift cycle of daily psalm singing. In this conversation, we talk about finding happiness in a life of prayer, about being called to pray when others can't, about how prayer is the only place where we can be truly who we are, and about how silence is a listening relationship. I was grateful to get an inside perspective on monastic life. And as always, I was moved by the way prayer, and in particular the Psalms, can bring us together across religious divides. So whatever it is that brought you here, I'm glad you're with us. Oh, blessed are the ones who The, the fact is that I am from a Mediterranean background, background mm-hmm. and for me, and, and warmth is very, very important. <laughs> when it's not warm enough, you would laugh seeing me going out, you know, just with my uh, uh, something on my head, the gloves, the scarf. The... <laughs> just... Even on a sunny day like this, you'd probably even, have even, <laughs> even on a sunny day, like I would... <laughs> I know it never gets very warm here at all, does it? <laughs> but after 22 years now, I, I am a bit used to it. 
How's your spirit today? I am fine. I am fine at the moment. I, I have been particularly busy. It was good because, in fact, I needed to be a bit distracted because there is an uncle is very sick at the moment in France. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And it and it has been a lot in my mind and in my in my prayer. But I, I am I am well. I am good. And if it weren't for COVID, would you be able to do that? Would you? Oh yes, travel yes. And, yeah. I I would I would have gone immediately. I think mm -hmm. just to be to be present and to. Uh, he's, he's just a bit older than me and this uncle was always a bit like a big brother for me and we have a very good and strong relationship yeah so. yeah so it's hard yeah it's hard it's hard to yeah. be uh, to be distant the sooner the better i will go yeah i hope so too well thank you for sharing about that Thierry, I, I would love to hear about your spiritual journey, how you got to be where you are in a Benedictine monastery in Northern Ireland, and how did those psalms weave into your spiritual journey? So um, I was born 56 years ago in, in France, in, a Paris, in Paris, in a family where there was no, uh, no real Christianity. My parents have the label Catholic. Mm -hmm. but uh, it's a bit an, an empty tin. They don't practice. And I was baptized as a child because we are on my mother's side from Corsica and Sardinia, two Mediterranean islands. And my grandmother was Italian and very Catholic. And when I was born, she said, he will be baptized. So I was baptized, uh -huh. but it meant, it meant nothing to my parents. And, okay. and my brother was born uh, after me. And, and, uh, but just after his birth, my parents went to Paris. And so my grandmother did not have time to impose the baptism. Oh, right. <laughs> so my brother is, is not baptized and he doesn't believe in anything. So in fact, I was brought up in a very Jewish atmosphere because on my mother's side, there is a Jewish family oh, right. and they were very practicing. Mm -hmm. And during my whole childhood, I practiced the Jewish faith. Oh, right. Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Every Friday evening, they were coming to our home or you we were going to there yeah so it was the beginning of the sabbath and saturday the end of the sabbath and all the so i, I was brought up in this atmosphere without being a jew and right so you're baptized but you also had this jewish background as <laughs> yes well. yes so we received no religious education it was only when i was 16 that one of our teachers spoke to us about a youth gathering organized by the catholic church five days for young people between 16 and 18 it's a big thing 2000 young people mm -hmm. and i for me the big question when i was 16 was uh, how can i be happy mm. i want to be happy it's not that I had an unhappy childhood, but my parents, in a way, are unhappy people. They have both, in different ways, but both have the feeling that they have not really chosen their lives. Mm. Things have been imposed on them and things happened without them having any power over the events or the situations. Mm. And so for me, very quickly, uh, when I was 16, the, the, the main question was, how can I be happy? How can I, in a way, choose my life? Mm -hmm. And so I went to this meeting, uh, to this youth gathering, not because of, of Jesus Christ or whatever, but because my best friend decided to go. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, why not? 
let's <laughs> go. And I was really struck during the gathering by the joy, mm. which was really visible. You know, when you gather mm. thousands of young people in the, uh, for the services, for the liturgies, it was really, there was a, yes, a joy which was visible. And for me, I came back from the youth gathering and I went to see the headmistress of my school, who was a nun. And I said to her, who is Jesus Christ? What is the church? And she said, go and see a priest in your parish. And it's what I did. And, uh, and I made my first communion. I was 17. And uh, on the day of my first communion, I asked God, what can I give you back? I was so grateful. And so principally, I think this sense of belonging and this sense of, uh, of being uh, loved mm. and welcomed. And so I, I said, I remember very well during the service, what can I give you back? And the answer I got was give your life. And uh, at the end of the service, I went to see my parents and the priest. And I said, I want to give my life to God. And they said, go to university. We'll uh, come back on that later. <laughs> <laughs> I was 17. Yeah. So, so it's what I did. I went to university and I studied in Paris. During my years uh, at university, I was very involved in the chaplaincy, in the parish. You know, things were going well. But deep within me, there was this sense, this question, it's not enough You have to give your life to God. So that message kept coming back to you. Oh, yes. The idea was, if you want to be happy, you have to give your life to the Lord. Mm. And, and so I, I spoke with my spiritual father and I said, maybe God wants me to be a priest. Mm -hmm. And so I was 22 when I, when I joined the a seminary. And just at the, the beginning of the year, uh, I decided to go on a retreat to a Benedictine monastery of sisters uh, just outside Paris. And they are very courageous sisters. They have a service at two o'clock in the morning. They follow the rules. Oh, wow. Every night, they get up to sing psalms at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, so uh, for one hour. And, and, and I thought at the beginning, my goodness, me, they are completely crazy. You know, it's just... <laughs> But I did it with them. Uh -huh. And that was for me a turning point. Because with that community, I discovered that prayer is important. Prayer is able to shape and to, to give meaning to a life. Hmm. And for me, to sing psalms of distress and, and pain in the middle of the night, in the hmm. dark, mm -hmm. there is something powerful about it because generally we sleep during the night, mm -hmm. but uh, suddenly you realize that there are so many people who are suffering, who are going through difficult stuff in the middle of the night, mm, you know? Yeah, it makes you aware of that. Yes, and for me, it was really powerful. But I decided to spend a month in a Benedictine monastery of men in Normandy. And um, at the end of the month, I decided to stay. And so I joined the Abbey of Beck in October 1988. And, and just to make the link with Northern Ireland, yes. um, the Abbey of Beck is a very ancient foundation. It's founded, it was founded in 1034. Many bishops and archbishops came from the Abbey of Beck, okay. particularly Anselm of Canterbury, 1093. Okay, so there, there is this, this historical link between Beck and England. Mm -hmm. So we jump, and in 1981, Pope John Paul visited Canterbury. It was the first time a Pope was visiting Canterbury. Mm. At that time, the dialogue between the Anglican Communion and the Catholic Church was easier than it is today. Mm -hmm. And when the abbot was also present at the meeting, he felt that it was a, a calling from God for us to do something in Northern Ireland. Mm. And so between 83 and 87, two monks 
Frombeck were in Northern Ireland. And in 1995, Pope John Paul wrote a letter to all the Benedictine monks throughout the world asking us to go where ecumenism is difficult. Mm. And we were five to say, yes, we want to go. Mm -hmm. And we arrived here in January 1998 with a mission to pray for peace and reconciliation in Northern Ireland, for better mutual understanding Mm. between Catholics and Protestants, and for us to journey with our Protestant brothers and sisters. So you were one of those five who came in 1998 and here ever since. Yes. So that's the story. That's the story. And the songs did figure in there, didn't they? Yes. And and in fact, uh, there is the link about happiness because this question was very important for me. And I had a shock when I read for the first time the rule of St. Benedict, because at the beginning of his rule, St. Benedict used the Psalm 34. And he says he used the question, you know, speaking about the young guy who wants to join the monastery. And he says that, which of you desires life and covets many days to enjoy good? Mm-hmm. And in fact, the translation that I had in my the rule, the text of the rule I was reading was, which of you desires life and wants happy days? Mm-hmm. And for exactly. me, when I read it, I thought, that's the, the, that's the answer. That's <laughs> it was like a message straight to you because of that question yes. that you'd had. Yes, exactly. It was very important for me when I read that. And I thought, wow, that's the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's why this um, 34 became really uh, the key uh, mm-hmm. for me to, to open the door to monastic life in, in my own life, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to uh, give my life to God according to the rule of St. Benedict, mm-hmm. because I, I, I really felt that God was talking to me mm-hmm. through that psalm, yeah. that psalm, you know, and that verse. was it about monastic life that sounded like that's where your your enjoyment would be what was it that appealed to you at that time i think that there were two aspects certainly the, the one which struck me when i visited the the sisters you know the sense of praying and a life of prayer mm-hmm. and this intuition that prayer can and is able and has the power to transform a life, you know, Mm. and to shape a life. Mm. And I can say that 30 years later, now I really believe and and I know that this constant meditation of the word of God, this renewed desire to be in the presence of God impacts on me and changes me. You know, Mm. I have no doubt about that. I have been changed by prayer. You know, I have been shaped and Mm. transformed. And, and it's also in Psalm 34, another verse which has become very important for me and, and which says that, look to him and be radiant. And this idea that, you know, the more I look at him, the more I reflect him, mm. the more I am changed and I reflect him. And that's what prayer is about for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, what I think... Uh, was certainly uh, so appealing to me and so for me important. Yeah, you had that intuition at age 23 and you've been doing this for 30 years. And do you feel that prayer still transforms you? I mean, people often think of conversion or transformation as something that happens like very quickly and, you know, overnight. But it sounds like what you're saying is it's a long process and that we're, we're always being transformed. Yes, yes, you're right. I really feel that it's every morning. 
mm -hmm. that I have mm -hmm. to change and to be changed. You know, in the rule of Saint Benedict, when we make our commitment, we make three vows. The vow of obedience, the vow of conversion, and the vow of stability. Mm -hmm. and, and I really believe that the vow of conversion is a call for me to every day allow the, the Spirit and allow prayer and God through prayer to convert me because it's every day that I need and it's every day that I need to to look in a different way to my brothers to the people who come to the world around me to nature you have a rhythm of prayer can you can you talk through what that's like you're praying the psalms constantly and how does that work into your spiritual life the day for us begins mm -hmm. at 6 45 in the morning 45 minutes singing psalms and reading scriptures and 20 minutes in silence and pray for the world and for mm -hmm. many intentions followed by 20 minutes silence almost an hour mm -hmm. then there is from 8.30 until 9.30 a time of Lectio Divina. Uh -huh. Each one of us is in his room and we, we meditate on, on scriptures. Yeah. At 11.30, we celebrate every day the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. At 2.15, there is a short time of prayer, which lasts 15 minutes. We sing normally one or two psalms mm -hmm. and a short biblical reading. At 5.30, there is, like in the morning, you know, 45 minutes singing psalms and mm -hmm. reading scriptures and 20 minutes in silence. Mm -hmm. And at 8.30 in the evening, a service which lasts 35, 40 minutes. Again, we sing psalms and read scriptures. So normally we, we sing the psalm book in two weeks. Right. The entire Psalter in two weeks. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah in two weeks. Yes. Yeah. So you would have... I mean, hundreds of times you would have sung through yes. all of them. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> In 32 years. It... <laughs> <laughs> that adds up. <laughs> do they sound different to you each time you sing them? Or do you think, oh, here's this one again? Or, you know, I mean, there are ones you love. Are there ones you, you, you don't really like to come across again so many times? So uh, let's be clear. Sometimes I am tired. Sometimes I am bored. Sometimes... <laughs> My mind is elsewhere. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's also part of the conversion and the, yeah. the call to fidelity, you know, to come back to and to be present really, uh, you know, when we pray. And it's, it's a challenge, you know, it's, we are not angels, you know, we are human <laughs> beings. So it's, it's, it's for us, it's a challenge to, to be faithful to this mm. rhythm of prayer. What, what I find amazing with the Psalms and with the Bible in general, but it's particularly true, uh, with the Psalms, is that uh, it calls us to, to be true. Mm. Mm. You know, when, when, when I read the Psalms, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to be superficial or to read superficially the Psalms, you know, mm -hmm. because they speak so much about what is, I never know how to pronounce it, raw 
this sense of, of humanity as it is, you know, yeah. with this uh, pain, difficulties, uh, weaknesses and anger and everything. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's, it's always, it should be, it's not always, but it should be always a challenge to connect with these words, mm -hmm. which really go to the depth of our humanity. And it's as much because that's something which is very important for us as monks. It's as much as what I can feel and what I can experience than what the world around me is experiencing and mm -hmm. going through, you know. And when I pray some psalms where there is anger and, you know, sometimes I want to sing them and to say them mm -hmm. for those people and, yes. and thinking of them yeah. who can't, who can't, a few days ago on BBC, there was a clip about uh, a young girl who was in a boat, who was, uh, you know, in a boat between in, in Mediterranean, you know, going from Ivory Coast to Spain. Okay. And the boat and boat drifted and there were 59 people in the mm. boat and 56 died mm. in the boat. Mm. And there were only three surviving persons. Yeah. A, a young girl, 17, she arrived in Spain and she was cared for in Spain. And at one stage, the journalist asked her, how was it to be in the boat with all these dying people mm. around you? And she said, at the beginning, there was prayer. Mm. And after, there was no prayer. And when I heard that, you know, I felt, wow. That's that's mm. really my vocation as a monk is to for me to grow in my relationship with the Lord, but it's also to carry the world and to pray for the world mm -hmm. in, a, in front of the Lord, you know. Mm. Um, and when I heard this young girl, 17, saying, at the end, there is no prayer, mm. I thought, wow, mm. if, if my prayer can be hers mm. in the presence of God, it's just, you know, that's what I am called to, to yeah. be and to do, you know. Yeah. You're called to pray when others can't pray. Yes, yes. And to express what they can't express and to mm -hmm. say to God. There is this um, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, mm -hmm. who, who wrote a book about priesthood. And he says about the, the ministry of intercession, he takes the image from the Le book of Leviticus, you know, the description of the habit of the high priest when he he comes in the presence of God, you know, mm -hmm. and we are told that he must have on his breast a plaque with 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. And Michael Ramsey says very beautifully, you know, that's the ministry of intercession. When we come in the presence of God, we should carry in our breast mm -hmm. the whole people of God. Yeah, you carry them in your heart as, as you pray. Yes, in our hearts. And when I saw this young girl, you know, saying at the end, there is no prayer. Mm. I was just, you know, it, it left me very sad. Mm. Yeah. And that's what the ministry of intercession of, of a monk is about. Your, your ministry is to do that every day when yeah. others maybe can't. And there are many people around us who in a way would like to pray mm. and have something to say, but they don't mm. have the words, they don't have the, they don't know. Mm. And, 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 and I think that it's certainly a very important thing for all of us Christians to do, to pray for them. Yeah. And then the words of the Psalms actually connected you. You thought of that story when you were praying the Psalms yourself. Yes. And immediately after when the next service, you know, I was really this young girl, this her face and, and her words were really in my mind and mm. in my heart. In fact, it, it, she, without knowing it, she renewed me in my vocation mm. because, you know, I felt really teary. You have to do it. Yeah, you yeah. have to do it, you know, yeah. <laughs> and very humbly and very poorly in a way, because it's only me. 
nevertheless, that's my my vocation, you know. Mm-hmm. And I love the way you're you're taking the stories of what's around you, and then you're singing these ancient words, you're praying these ancient prayers, and you're making that connection to what's going on in the world in this day and age. Incline your ear, O Lord, to me. I'm looking at the idea of resilience and the connection to spirituality. You know, what do you think about that word resilience? I have been really interested in how our spiritual life and spiritual practices can help us get through difficult times. So um, what do you think about that from your perspective? Spontaneously, I would not use the word resilience. It's, it's, it's a word which, which is relatively new for me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. And, and I think that COVID-19 <laughs> was the opportunity for me to hear about it. What seems... Uh, important and it's particularly true again when we think of the psalms i think that if we want to be able to go through the difficult stuff in our lives the first i think the first thing is to be honest Mm. is to be Mm -hmm. truthful if there is no acknowledgement if i'm not able to say i am sad i am depressed i am going through a tough time and to say it to god if we are not able to begin with that it makes things very difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that truth is the first step. And if resilience is about truth, yes, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, it's a good... Uh, but I, I really believe that prayer is about truth. Mm-hmm. And I always say that it should not be. But I believe that for many people, it's the only place mm-hmm. where we can, be, we can be really who we truly are. Mm-hmm. The only place. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it's the place where I can go naked. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, can't, I can't do that uh, <laughs> and I don't want to do it. <laughs> but I mean, it's prayer is, is the place yeah. where if really God is the God who, again, in Psalm 34, mm-hmm. the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Mm-hmm. So if we believe that God loves us so much that he welcomes us, whatever way we come to him mm. and in in whatever shape we come to him mm-hmm. we can go to him completely naked and we can gather the, the strength and the, to say to him yes today i'm fed up you know it's the place where you can be yourself don't be afraid right no. yeah because yeah. i mean so many people have grown up with this idea that they have to be presenting themselves all put together and but really what you're saying is we can go with our most honest selves, our broken spirits, our bad moments, our anger, fear, anxiety, whatever it is that we're feeling, and we can bring that and be our whole selves. What did you say? It's the only place we can be truly ourselves. Yeah, I think, I believe. Uh, You know, uh, hopefully, 
because we learn to be ourselves freely with God, we can become more freely ourselves with others. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's an important step, yes. isn't it? If there's one place we can be fully ourselves, then we're able to be more fully ourselves with others. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you know, if if we experience God's love, God's patience, God's kindness in prayer, we will learn what is kindness, patience, and care, and, and we will discern it in others. We will discern these qualities in others. But I think that it begins with God, and it, and, it, and it begins with God because there is no no precondition to our meeting with God. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true that in Christianity, in all our churches, we have you have to be clean. You have to be uh, everything to, to say the right words and mm -hmm. to say them at the right time and to say. That's complete rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> the more we can believe that, the better. You're listening to Psalms for the Spirit, a podcast about spirituality and resilience through the lens of the biblical Psalms. I wanted to let you know about a few exciting events coming up in the autumn that you can book now. The first is an online mini-retreat on the 18th of September with Paul Hutchinson, therapist, mediator, and storyteller who was featured in episode 11. We'll be exploring the theme, Sing a New Song, through Paul's amazing group facilitation, and there will be some live singing across the internet as we look at how a new song can emerge in our lives despite the barriers that might seem to be in front of us. We'd love to have you there. So mark your calendars and register for the event now through the link in the episode notes. And for those of you who have been longing for an in-person connection and who happen to live in Northern Ireland, I'd like to invite you to a weekend retreat at the Corrymeela Residential Centre on the 19th to 21st of November. The theme of the weekend will be Refresh Your Spirit. If you've been to Corrymeela, you'll know that the physical location alone is enough to refresh your spirit but we'll also be creating space for quiet reflection and sharing, community building and rest. I'd love to see you there in person. Imagine that. Spaces are limited, so please book your place as soon as possible. You can find more information in episode notes. Once again, I'm so glad you're with us. Silence figure, and I know that you have some great wisdom about silence. I've heard you talk about this before. Um, silence is so difficult for many people. Um, it's something you spend quite a bit of time practicing every day. And uh, tell me about silence and how that comes into your spiritual life. I, I think that I, I remember one day, and, and it's a young Presbyterian man who came on retreat to the Abbey one day. And at the end of his retreat, uh, and for him, it was a bit new, you know, a good Northern Irish Presbyterian. Yeah. He, he was not used to the monastic Catholic uh, thing, you know. But at the end, uh, he described, he used an expression to describe the silence and to speak about silence. It's about truth. There's truth again. And I think that that's why it's difficult, silence. And to, to make a biblical link, I think that if you want to use an image for silence, the, the, the image of the desert Mm -hmm. is really a good image because it's the place where you meet God, the people of Israel meets God. Mm -hmm. It's the place where they receive their identity. It's the place of temptations for them and for Jesus. 
So it's a very important place in the Bible. And it's a place where you have to go to what is essential. In the desert, you can't lie. You know, you mm -hmm. have to be really yourself. And, and I think that that's what silence is about. And it's why silence is difficult. It's because right. in silence, you meet God as he is. You meet others as they are. And you meet yourself as you are. And that's mm -hmm. quite challenging for us. Mm -hmm. Because we prefer uh, the mask, we prefer mm -hmm. to be on stage, you know, and to the show, uh, mm -hmm. rather than to let go of the show, of the mask, and to be really ourselves. That's why I think silence is difficult. But, and that's one of my things, uh, is that ultimately what matters is not silence. What matters is relationship. Uh -huh. What matters is to be in a relationship with God, with others, and with oneself. Mm -hmm. And silence is an essential tool in this process because it's the place of truth. And it's the place where I think words become meaningful. Mm -hmm. And in order to be in relationships, we need words and silence. They go together. And the problem, I think, at the moment is that many people and in our society around us and in our churches, people think that it's enough to use words Mm -hmm. to foster or to establish a relationship. It's not true. A relationship which would be based only on words, it's just blah, blah, blah. Uh -huh, uh -huh, yeah. Okay? There is need at one stage for silence because we need to listen. Right. The listening happens during the silence. Yeah. So the, the silence is only a tool for us. It's not mm -hmm. the end. Silence is not the end. It's a tool we use tool. in order to listen and to be in relationship. It's why the first word of the rule of St. Benedict, the rule we follow, is listen. Mm. And it's the first word of the prayer of the people of Israel, you know, the Shema. Yeah. Listen, Israel. Yeah, Shema Israel. Shema Israel. Yeah. You know, and it's a very important word for the, the biblical writers, you know. Mm -hmm. It's very important, but it's so hard to do. There's so much noise in our culture. And like you say, even like performing and sort of being more outward, filling the space, filling the void with words, and then not taking that step back to just listen. It's hard yeah. for people to do. Yeah. For some, it's, it's a bit scary too to have yeah. an extended period of silence. It's hard because in fact, it's safer to always talk because mm -hmm. when I always talk, I take the whole room. <laughs> nobody can challenge me nobody can enter you know it's just me and me and me so in in a way we feel safer we feel in control mm -hmm. when i enter into a time of silence mm -hmm. it's scary because that means that i allow somebody else to come god mm -hmm. others or even my own feelings the noise is a way for us to remain at the surface yeah. to prevent us from going deeper yeah. In, in all our relationships. And the surface, the superficiality is, is cozy. And yeah, it's good because no challenge, no thing, you know. Right. Yeah, and when you, when you have daily silence, do you find words of the Psalms or scripture kind of weaving into your silence? Or what does your silence feel like on a day-to-day -day basis? And I'm sure it's different every day, but... Yes, <laughs> yes, it's different every day. But I think that for me, and I come back to something I already said, it's important to be honest and to be truthful. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I have a time of silent prayer, particularly for me in the morning, in the 20 minutes after the first service, I always try to come as I am and to mm -hmm. come to the Lord 
with who I am on that particular morning. And sometimes there is nothing more than silence. Mm. Sometimes there is nothing. And it's okay in a way. It's not mm. always easy, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's okay. But sometimes there are words because as you know, we, 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 we sing the Psalms and we read scriptures, you know, there are words and particularly from the Psalms, you know, they come back. And I, there is an image, you know, about the monks in the early church. The monk was compared to a cow <laughs> because to ruminate, you know, you, you use, you take a word and, and you just chew it, you know, yeah, and, and that yeah. was the image of the monk, you know. And I think that that's really a, an important spiritual practice to receive a word or a quotation or a verse or whatever, and just to ponder, to, to chew it, you know, and to just yeah. to, to allow it to do something with me. Yeah, I've heard that as a description of Lectio Divina. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's basically what it is, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's um, allowing it to sit with us. So silence for me is, is very often an opportunity to, to just ruminate. Unless, and, and when, when I allow the spirit to do uh, his work, uh, unless the spirits, you know, sometimes are, I, I take the Bible that I have in my pew, you know, and and I read something, you know, from the for the day. Or but most of the time, the time of silence for me is really a place where where I try to come with what is in my heart. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's important for me to do it at the beginning of the day because, and when I don't do it, generally the day is 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 <laughs> is more difficult because <laughs> I think it's important for me to to begin the day and to let go of many things, you know, because. Right. The mind works quickly, you know, and there are so many, uh, what, what am I going to do this morning and the work yeah. this afternoon or the meeting yeah. or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think it's important for me to very early in the morning to, mm-hmm. to, to let go of, of the maximum of things, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So that mm-hmm. the day is a bit better, lighter. Mm-hmm. So it really does help you kind of manage the rest of your day when you do yeah. that silence. And there are other times of your day that you have silence. Is it different at other times? Generally, when the one in the evening, we have the same 20 minutes in the evening. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's, it's certainly more difficult for me mm. because many things have happened during the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have many people asking for prayer and pray mm-hmm. for this, pray for that. Mm-hmm. And so very often... The evening is more for me a time where I bring many intentions from other people in the world. Where mm. where I, I it's it's more mm. evening is more for me a time of, of intercession. You know when I when I bring intentions from mm-hmm. all over the world. You know. Mm-hmm. So your your morning silence is more for you, and then the yeah. evening silence is when you're and you've had a whole day filled with different events and stories and people and that's more what's inside of you in your heart when you're having that silence teach me Lord, what i should do and i will serve you holy i'll praise you from
Brother Terry, what do you think that the Psalms tell us about who God is? You know, I, you've spent so much time with the Psalms, singing, singing them, chanting them through hundreds of times. What can we learn about God from the Psalms? I, I, I believe, and that's for me the, the amazing thing about God. And uh, I think that he welcomes us as we are. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Psalms, you know, God is okay with us. Mm -hmm. God is ready for whatever we can bring. You know, mm. it's what I said to many people, you know, you won't surprise him in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we do can surprise God. <laughs> you know, he knows, he knows, he knows. And yet he's ready, he's willing to listen. Mm -hmm. It's Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, the Lutheran theologian, who said, mm -hmm. he says something like, we should listen to one another in the same way as God listens to us. Okay, mm. And I think that this idea that God listens to us and he is ready and he does it with love, with care, with patience, with kindness. Mm. And this image of God being ready for everything and anything, you know, that's so freeing and so liberating, you know, even if we, we are supposed to grow in freedom. And, but it's so difficult for us to be free with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are always afraid to hurt, to be hurt, to be rejected, or to, to be misunderstood, or to be... With God, there is no... He is ready and He is willing. And in a way, many spiritual writers say, God thirsts for us. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in fact, the, the drink we can give Him, it's our own life, you know. Yeah. It's who we are. And I think that this image of a God who is yearning for us, who is waiting, you know, none of us will ever reach the, the full understanding of what it is, you know. But <laughs> it's so amazing when people and when we can experience it. Yeah, and I, I, I love the way you turn that also toward your relationship with others, that as God is ready for whatever we bring, we also can approach our relationships that way. Because it's so hard not to want other people to be a certain way. I mean, even sometimes when my kids are upset or something, or, you know, if I come across somebody who is anxious about something, sometimes I want them not to feel that way because it makes me uncomfortable. But really, yes. just welcoming people however they are inside of themselves and that that's okay. Yes. We can accept and embrace and welcome anybody. So that takes it to the next step in our relationships. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for the conversation. listening to Psalms for the Spirit, produced by myself, Karen Young-Wimberley, with music by Celtic Psalms. On my website, kieranyoungwimberley.com, you'll find links to what I'm up to and opportunities to connect. I wanted to share one piece of exciting news, which is that Celtic Psalms is releasing a new album in the coming months, so if you would like to pre-order, you can do that through episode notes. Your pre-order will mean a lot to us as we come to the finish line for this album. Some of you have been asking how you might support the production of this podcast. What you can do is go to CelticSalms.com to find the music featured in most episodes of this podcast. In episode notes, you'll also find a link to how you could contribute to the production of these podcasts. And a big thank you to those who already have. <laughs>
Till next time, may our spirits find healing and hope in the days ahead. Come, Spirit, come, rescue us, we pray. Shield us and save us, and come down to stay.